This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Over the last couple of months, I know that I have been feeling stressed and super anxious. How and could you not starting, be? I know, right? Starting therapy has been a, a huge transformative help. Um, and BetterHelp is one of the coolest new services out there to help you find a therapist. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling that you can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours, uh, send a message to your counselor anytime. It's really wonderful. It's, it's meant to, particularly in this time where we can't be going to people's offices and you, you know, it was always kind of stressful to think about, oh, I want to like, I'm going to go sit on a couch across from somebody for a while. Mm -hmm. This is great. It's more affordable. Financial aid is available. It is available worldwide. Um, and counselors are specialized in, in everything and anything that you could possibly feel like you want to talk about. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping. not sleeping well. I mean, mm -hmm. trauma, anger, grief, all and of anything it. Anything you share with them is confidential, just like a real therapist. These are It's convenient. It's professional. It's affordable. And uh, you can go to BetterHelp's website if you want to see some more testimonials. So many people have been using it that they're actually recruiting additional counselors everywhere. Um, we want you to live a happier life. And so as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash so many damn books. You can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash so many damn books. Bing, bing, bing. What'd you say? What was that? I was trying to do the end of a Mario stage. <laughs> and then when it hits and it... Oh yeah, and gives you points. Yeah, yeah, for how well you did. Yeah, we look uh, up on our timer, the timer in the little top corner of the Mario screen where you and I are Mario and Luigi. I guess it says one fifty. Oh, you're oh, because we were at one hundred and fifty episodes of the show. <laughs> I see. You can't get anything by me. So many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to the 150th episode of our show, people. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we're doing it. We're, we're, we have made more episodes of this show than they made of 30 Rock. They mo made more episodes. Wow. We've made more episodes of the show than Parks and Rec. Wow. These are some honestly kind of dubious honors. <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes of Always Sunny are there? I don't know. There's 154 episodes. We haven't quite gotten there yet. The gang beats us once again. We should stop thinking about our podcast in the terms of television shows anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Our it's podcast a... is about reading. It's about books. Books, books man. With two umlauts. We are so glad that we have had people listening to our show and following us on Twitter and Instagram and hanging out with us for the years and years that we've ma been making it. And 
we thought it'd be really fun to kind of turn this over to our listeners and hang out with the people who, who like us so much that they're willing to pay a dollar or more a month. So we're opening up phone lines. Yeah. It's the holiday season after all. This episode in some ways is kind of, it's not what'd you buy, but it's like, what should you buy? Yes. And so we thought we would just have people on. They would tell us either people that they're shopping for or shopping for themselves, and, and we would give them a recommendation, Oracle style. Thank you very yes. much to John Warner. Uh, what, are we, what are we drinking while we do this? What's fueling us to get through this? Well, I love the Celestial Seasonings holiday releases. As you know, I've made you, uh, I think I made you sugar cookie sleigh ride something in yep. the past. That was, and that was delicious. Um, and so this cocktail, I'm calling it the giver of gifts um, because it's their nutcracker sweet tea. Okay. Um, it's, which is a black tea um, with a little bit of licorice notes. Okay. Um, and I used a bit of a, tea, a half teaspoon of demerara sugar and a half teaspoon of light brown sugar um, with this new, I'm obsessed with this William Wolfe bourbon pecan, um, pecan bourbon, basically. It's, it's, it's a flavored bourbon. And usually with those, I think they're too sweet or <laughs> one note or I don't know. I, I, I usually think that if I want to control the sweetness of my alcohol, but the pecan in this is so, so nice. Cool. Um, so it's that William Wolf is the brand, their pecan bourbon. And, um, and then I used a tiny bit of chocolate walnut bitters. Nice. And so that's in my mug and it is the black tea that will fuel me. Uh, I got to do some stretches so that we can pick up, pick up the phones, you know? If we were doing this in a room, I'd want to be in either your library or mine so that we could actually be staring at books. Yeah. You know, we should, um, we should invest in uh, uh, like multi-dimensional collapse technology so that we can have sort of our, our two libraries can like abut one another for exactly this thing. So we can be like, okay, put, our, put the rings together and, you know. Right, right. The problem is, is like, I feel like, there are, are so many things that would be doubled up for so why don't we instead hook up with the Morgan Library and that way Ooh. we can just walk in there and see their awesome collection of books bound in human skin and stuff. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Both the books bound in human skin and just the beauty of the library. Should we do it? Should we let's, open the calls? Let's do it. Turn on the phones, flip the switch. Igor, the switch! Hello. Hey. How's it going? How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? All right. Okay. Just having a quiet, mostly reading stuff day at home, because that is the way that things are right now <laughs> yes the world is forcing yeah. us to be inside and reading yeah worst things could happen obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> Let, let's not let's not guess at what those could be because it seems like putting that in the universe makes it happen uh gives your name and where you're calling in from 
All right. So my name's Moti Lieberman. I am calling in from Montreal up in Canada. Well, bienvenue then oh. to, our, to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. We're so excited to help uh, fill out your gift buying list. What, how what can, can we, we help? help you with? Right. So one, like I know that you all are more into the scarier, spookier side of stuff than I am. And I have a, um, a friend who recently started dating someone who's big into horror stuff. I managed to get the last three books that they've read. Okay. Um, I thought maybe you could help out with some stuff from there. So the most recent ones um, are The Only Good Indians, the Stephen Graham Jones book, um, Beneath the Rising by Premium Mohammed, and The Cipher by, I think it's pronounced Kate Koya or Koja. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I um I really want to read Beneath the Rising. That's the one of those three that I don't super duper know. Okay, mm-hmm. horror stuff. The Stephen Graham Jones is like a very traditional horror novel. The Cipher I know is like way out there. Mm-hmm. But if they read horror, it's a little like my mind goes to like House of Leaves. You know, right. but I feel like that might be too easy. I mean, I don't know whether they've read it already. I'd have to sort of check. <laughs> but... That that is the difficulty of buying books for book people. Um, I recommend. Mm-hmm. I have this great um, short story Christmas horror collection that I read and was gifted um, two years ago, and it has been a staple of. Christmas now of bringing it out because it's Hark the Herald Angels Scream. Okay. <laughs> it's a good title. Wow. <laughs> and the cover, cover is, as well. yep. is like a um, Tales from the Crypt face and he's mm-hmm. pulled off his Santa mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's people like Joe Lansdale, Scott Smith, um, Seanan McGuire, you know, writing their yeah. horror stories. And I and I often think that like a, a horror collection is the way to go. The other one is um, the one that we had just featured the last episode with Lena, um, mm-hmm. uh, Tiny Nightmares, just mm-hmm. put out by Catapult. I think that that's a oh, really yeah. fun gift. And, okay. and it's really, it's like microfiction. Um, and so that's sort of also maybe off the beaten path, something that that uh, that reader hasn't hasn't heard of yet. Yeah, I can actually see that really working. And like, it's good for the sort of bits of time you get in during the holidays and, you know, the amount of attention span people might have at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I think that all of our fractured attention spans can actually be served really, really well by, um, by short stories. Yeah. I've Ooh, been too, thinking of the holiday season and uh, spooky stories. I'm going to look this up a little bit, but Christopher, I know I gave you a couple of these for Christmas a few years ago. Yes. Um, there are these, it, it's taking inspiration from like the Dickensian read a scary ghost story around the campfire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Around the campfire, around the fireplace. Nobody's going outside. It's too cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's these, it's classic short stories. Like one of them is Dorothy Sayers. Um, one of them is Charles Dickens, uh, The Night Watchman. And they're these, they're, the cover designs are by Seth. Okay. So the line is really long now. They've, they've made a lot. 
And, oh, cool. Um, I, I personally loved the apple tree, which is a Daphne du Maurier um, okay. Christmas story, but you know, they sell them in gift packs. So mm -hmm. there's a three pack for $25 and you can mix and match. Um, oh yeah. And the line, versions. the line is called Seth's Christmas ghost stories. Oh, well, that's easy to remember. <laughs> um, and I mean, they're, they're so cute too. And they're like, they're really, truly pocket sized. Um, and while many of them aren't necessarily your traditional, it's not going to scare their pants off, but I think it's a lot of, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they are, they do have that um, quality where when you read them out loud, they even become a little better. Cool. I think that that's the thing that they might get up to for the holidays because they've got like, my friend's parents have a country place they can go up to, and I know they do have a fireplace and everything, and like <laughs> sitting around and reading to each other seems pretty bucolic. So, yeah, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we can help you with? I was going to ask for myself if there was still time left over. So, yeah, go for I it. I figure, you know, you're all quite well read and like a little more outside of some of the stuff. So what am I doing? Am I giving you the last three things I've read? Am I giving you just a general ideas for things? What is the best format for you? Why don't you give us your last three titles? All right. So I just finished up today, Barn Each, the devil in, on fourth, Let's Steal All the Chickens book, <laughs> um, which was pretty fun. Uh, before that, I read Territory of Light by Yuko Tsushima. Um, it's a set of like 12 do you know it? These 12 mm -hmm. short stories. Okay. And then before that, I read What Belongs to You by Garth Greenwell. So that's mm -hmm. the last three. Okay. So very much in the, like, great writing, literary fiction can be a little weird vein. Yeah. It's also, I mean, we're cheating a little bit because uh, we... We know you from your tournament conversation, so I feel like <laughs> could potentially. Um... That is fine. I mean, you could use other background information. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. That levity. all of the detective skills at our disposal. Hmm. What was the first one again? It's a uh, bar and eat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's been like a vogue of animal talking books recently. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to recommend something in that respect, but I realize I've, I've bought them. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I've read them yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. How, this is a, how do you feel about British humor? Pretty good, yeah. I would say um, because of the Barn 8 angle, uh, the new Jasper Ford book, the Constant Rabbit. Yeah. I'm actually a big Jasper Ford fan. I've read ah, cool. okay. most of his earlier stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I, I think I just haven't read the last couple, but yeah. Um, yeah, this one, it's it doesn't quite hit the heights of uh, those early Thursday Next books, but it's still, it's a lot of fun. I really, I had a lot more fun with it than I did his most recent standalone, the one before mm -hmm. that. Um, but it's good, and it's like a, it feels like a good, a good cap off the year kind of read. <clears throat> My recommendation is um, going to be actually 
talking animals related in that Raphael Bob Waxberg wrote um, Bojack Horseman. Yep. But he wrote a very good story collection, um, Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory. Mm-hmm. And it's super, super fun and thoughtful and um, just as thoughtful and as intriguing as the the Bojack Horseman was. So, okay. so I happen to know off the top of my head, I have both of those in our store right now. So that's nice. Also <laughs> makes it a little bit easier. So. That's great. Yeah. Oh, I of course you you um you work at a bookstore. Yeah. Um. So, can people order online from your store? Yeah. Although if they're in the U.S., it will probably be fairly expensive to ship stuff there. But, um, <laughs> well, for the Canadian listeners, which we do have, we're at ArgoBookshop.ca. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Support your I, indies. Yeah. I wasn't this planning on plugging anything, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, I did it. I wanted Sorry. you to plug it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for hanging by, with buddy. us. Yeah. No, thanks for doing this. It's fun. I will check these things out. Particularly, it's good to have good horror wrecks. It's really not my part of the world. So, great. Cool. Thanks. Thank thanks. you. Hey. Hey. Uh, please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Uh, I'm Jacob. I'm calling from beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Paris of cities. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the Paris? Isn't Paris the Paris? Like you know, that's a common misconception. Uh, <laughs> it's understandable, but uh, a lot of people, you know, they come here and they realize, oh, no, this is Paris, you know? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, Jacob... Why don't you tell us uh, what we're, who we're recommending for and, and what you would like our help with? I'm going to be selfish and say for me. Yay. Uh, but also because I really like recommending people things. So <laughs> selfishly, I want to be the one to do that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So give us your, the last three things you read. Okay. And maybe a little bit what you thought about, of them. Like yeah. a one sentence. Yeah. That'll help us out. Okay, so the last three would be, I just read um, Last Days by Brian Evanson, um, Wittgenstein's Nephew by Tomas Bernhard, and then Norma Jean Baker of Troy by Ann Carson. Ooh. Um, So the Evanson, I liked the pacing because it was very quick and, you know, kind of had a lot of weird creepiness. I wasn't crazy about the prose, Um, I tend to be weirdly nitpicky about that, like kind of on a sentence level, what's going on with the book. Um, the Bernhard is, you know, it's kind of like all of his books where it's just one long angry monologue. Um, but I really loved it. And it also kind of had a weird heart to it where it's about kind of his friendship with, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein's nephew, Paul, who... It's kind of two guys who are like on the outskirts of society, one because he's dealing with mental illness and the other because he's just a curmudgeon who hates everyone. But then they're like become friends and talk about music and that kind of thing. Um, And then Norma Jean Baker of Troy is, I guess it's technically a play, Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, done as a monologue by this version of, it's like halfway between Marilyn Monroe and uh, Helen of Troy. Uh, 
and it's just kind of this weird like it's lineated monologue that just kind of flattens this divide between like ancient myth and kind of hollywood myth mm. he shows up and all sorts of weird stuff um but i love ann carson i mean autobiography i read is maybe my favorite book um so really anything that kind of where particularly the way she does that where she kind of flattens those things and kind of um incorporates both of them and just kind of like mythologizes things that seem more everyday is like right up my alley um <laughs> But, Mythologizing the everyday is um, one of my absolute favorite like genres of writer. Um, and this, so have you read Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Anne Dillard? Annie Dillard yet? I am familiar with Annie Dillard, but I have not actually read any Annie Dillard. This is the one to start with. This is um, this actually was recommended very highly to me um, by friend of the show Will Chancellor. Um, and this is just one of these, it's filled with scientific observations, um, but it's also about, it's like, it's nonfiction, but the narrator's unnamed and, and the narrator's wandering and having thoughts about the everyday and it goes, you know, it's sort of like a Walden experiment, but it's so beautiful on the sentence level. And that's really what got me and what, what you were talking about sentences. It's just such clean, beautiful sentences on these very scientific thoughts. And um, yeah, I, I think you might really love it. Nice. Into it. That's really good, Christopher. Um, I'm going to go a little bit sideways. Mm. I was trying, there's, there's a, a trilogy of, hopefully it'll be more someday, but a trilogy of detective novels by a woman named Sarah Gran. Uh, and it's the the Claire DeWitt trilogy. The first book is Claire DeWitt and the City of the Dead. Um, she's in, you know, in detective novels, there's always like, I'm the world's greatest detective. She's the world's greatest detective. Um, but she has this very strange, idiosyncratic way of like, she uses the I Ching. There's a lot of, like rumination on life, on philosophy, on the first book is set in New Orleans. Um, and so there's a lot of like life and death and the ocean and hurricanes. The second book is set largely in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like a lot of hippies. I won't say anything about the third book because it's directly related to the second book. But like, I, I feel like you will find, it was the Evanson that really got me with like, the Evanson compared with the other two books, which are more philosophical, made me want to put something that's philosophical with a little bit of like a little bit of um, fun pulse to it. Mm -hmm. They're some of my favorite books, and it takes a very specific reader to like them. But I think you might be one of them. All right, I'm down. I'm into that. I mean, I love it. I love a detective story. I I just in a moment of weakness, uh, indulged in the New York Review of Books flash sale they just did. Uh -huh. and got yeah. four books there. And one of them was, uh, was it The Big Clock by Kenneth Fearing, which is supposed to be this like classic noir kind of one, you know, and I, any, particularly a weird detective story. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm a, a, an unabashed David Lynch stan, <laughs> and, uh, you know, where it's, oh, yes. it's, there's a mystery, but it's, 
it also involves, you know, uh, someone, maybe someone's head turns into fire. Who knows? But, you know. Well, yeah, I think you're going to really love Sarah Grant. <laughs> Excited. Thank you so much for joining us for the holiday recommendation episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also, I want to say one thing which is that uh, my brother about an hour ago texted me that he heard someone refer to the Knausgaard series as my struggies. And <laughs> I have not been able to stop thinking about that. So now I want to <laughs> pass that curse, the ring-like, on to you. Oh, oh man. That's so funny. That's, that reminds me of that, that woman who had just voted at like Shea Stadium or something, and she's like, got my donkeys. <laughs> Got my donkeys, got my struggies, and I'm ready to wait in line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks. And congrats, by the way. Hey, thanks. We appreciate it. Hello. Hello. Can you tell us your name and where you're calling from? Uh, my name is Bonnie. I'm calling from Middletown, California, which is a very small town just north of the Napa Valley. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for calling in and uh, hanging with us. How can we help your reading life? Well, definitely getting a recommendation for me because I don't actually have any reading people in my life, which is okay. bad. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking I really like books with like very messy female protagonists like I really liked mostly dead things or like mm -hmm. hex where they're just in like weird situations and you get to follow along yes what would you tell us the last three books that you read too Ooh, I don't know uh, see I'm reading luster right now okay excellent um I read hench okay I read Three Bags Full, which was a great recommendation. So thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, <laughs> I There's two more books in that series. I, I, I desperately need them to be translated. Yeah, that um, was fun. <laughs> well, oh, wow. That, that, is a, that is a fun reading list. I like that <laughs> a lot. Okay. Messy female protagonists. I was going to say, or just really solid fantasy novels. I'm always down for that, so... I just read a really solid fantasy novel um, that I just w found very delightful and um, easy to enjoy the stakes of right away, um, which is something I always feel like can elude fantasy novels, um, especially ones that are standalone. Sure. But this one is a standalone so far. I, I imagine that um, there could be more in this series, but... Um, it's T.J. Klune, The House in the Cerulean Sea. Oh, oh cool. I read that earlier this year. It's so good. Oh, good. Okay. Shoot. All right. Drew? <laughs> All right. I have uh, a messy female protagonist novel. It's, I think, one of my favorite books of the year, actually. Um, Sine Lemoine's The Margot Affair. Ooh. It is It's um, set in Paris. It's a young woman. Uh, she's like a... She's a mid-teens, um, mid to late teens, I guess. Her mother is sort of a famous stage actress uh, and she doesn't know, doesn't know who her father is. And it turns out um, that her father is actually a recently elevated high-ranking official in the French government with who has a family of his own. Um, 
And as she grows older, she starts to sort of become annoyed by the fact that she doesn't have her father's full attentions. And she makes some decisions as, you know, a teenage girl might, thinking that she understands the world. Um, sure. And it just, it's, it feels like it should be something that you're like, oh, I, this is familiar. I've seen this before. And every page feels fresh and new and exciting. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I really, really love that book. Um, and I think, judging by what you're reading, I think you would get down with it too. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to ask you about Hallie Butler. I know we had her on the show, but I was curious if you've read her yet. Um, I don't believe so. So her duology, I think of them as like you reading them back to back or together is really good. Um, Justine and The New Me, um, both really great little like slim editions, uh, but they're excellent sort of, when they came out, they were the, talked about as like millennial burnout novels. <laughs> but I, I kind of just see that, saw them as as really incredible character studies of like women who are blowing up their lives, and um, you get to understand why they're doing it as they're lighting their fuses. Um, and so, like that's I, I I really think that she's like this new master that I really hope gets up to Sally Rooney levels because I think she's really exciting. Nice. I'm also, I'm going to throw one more in because I'm, I'm realizing that the books, the three books that we just recommended are, are more on the serious, mm -hmm. like highbrow side. And it's not to say that this one is not serious or it's not highbrow, but it's a little, uh, it's a little pulpier. Like I read it in the space of maybe a day and a half because I just fell right through it. Um, called Self Care by Lee Stein. Mm -hmm. Came out this summer, sort of like, you know, lost in, in pandemic everything. Um, but it's these two women who co-founded a wellness startup and uh, the COO tweets something nasty about the president's daughter and sort of has to go on a digital detox. And it's like her and her best friend of the COO and the CEO and it's a satire of the wellness industry and of like lean in feminism. It's super funny. Um, and like, it's, it's uh, frothy sometimes is, is taken as a negative thing, but it's like, it's a fun, frothy, um, and, and surprisingly moving. Like you come out of it and you're like, maybe I need to reconsider my entire relationship to technology and, <laughs> ads that I'm being fed and stuff like that. Um, so I, I got to add that one because I think you'll really enjoy that one too. Oh, sweet. Those all sound great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are nothing if not fonts of books. Like that's all we are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for chatting. Cool. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hi. Hello. Tell us your name and where you're calling from. I'm Erin and I'm in Portland, Oregon. Wow. We are 
really crisscrossing the country. Um, oh, good. So how can we help you? Are, are you looking for yourself or for someone else? Well, every year for Christmas and his birthday, I buy my brother books and it has become a thing, right? Uh -huh. So right. if you like knock it out of the park for five years, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I usually, we usually do uh, in sci-fi or fantasy, something like right. that. So we've done um, Terry Pratchett, we've done Ursula Le Guin, we've done Christopher Moore, mm -hmm. um, Neil Gaiman. We did, let's see, All the Birds in the Sky, Station Ooh. Eleven, um, the Culture series. Um, so like, what next? All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, hmm. So are you thinking, you know, what sort of mood are you in now? Are you, are you feeling like expansion, like huge? Or are you feeling like slimmer and, you know, focused? Like what, what would you say your mood is? I think that um, series are always good. Like a, you know, something you can really dig into. Cause I think that my, my brother doesn't do a lot of book discovery on his own. But if I give him a book, like if I give him the first two books in a series, he'll then go and read all of the rest, right? Oh, I see. Okay. So, I've... yeah. So it's good to like an author. I mean, like I like I said, I've done a couple like one offs, like Station Eleven. But um, it's good to have something that you can like start off on, and then he'll like enjoy reading more of it. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I have okay. two ideas off the top of my head. One of them is author related because, but it, it works out because uh, his like landmark original trilogy is just about to be released by MCD books as an omnibus. Jeff Vandermeer. Um, oh yeah. His Ambergris trilogy is the first book in it. City of Saints and Mad Men is maybe my favorite book of all time. Um, it's, not quite alt universe. Um, it's definitely like fantasy, but weird fantasy. The first book is essentially a guidebook to this city, this port oh. city. They have a festival of the freshwater squid. There are these gray cap mushroom people that live underground. Somebody gets an invitation to a beheading. Um, and then the successive books sort of jump forward in time. Experience like, in the middle book, there's a, a shooting war breaks out between rival publishing houses. Um, <laughs> and then the third book is like a hard-boiled noir story, but set in this like dystopic fungal or infested city. Oh, interesting. And I've read some of his other, I haven't read this trilogy, but I've read some of his other books. Are they like weird? I like weird. That's they are, I they're definitely weird. I would say <laughs> on the scale, if you're thinking of like, Annihilation in the Area X books, yeah. all the way to Dead Astronauts, which is like his most weird. I would say it lands on like, or even in the, the Area X trilogy, it's more Annihilation than Acceptance. Okay. I mean, weird is, weird is good, but it's nice to have some idea of what you're like getting into. <laughs> yeah. Because <Yeah. laughs> those books are weird. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, and then the other, the other thing I'll throw in is for a long running series that's one of the few long running series that I still keep going back to and feeling like it hasn't lost all of its charm is Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files. Mm. Oh, the I've first... never read these. Yeah, I just read the most recent one, which is book 17. 
um, he took a break for a while. There was like five years without a Dresden file, which I was nervous about coming back. And like, look, book 17, there are a couple of like ticks that you're sort of like, oh, okay. But also in the same way that like when you go to a Marvel movie, you want to see the guy in the spandex punch the bad guy and you're like, yeah, you know, there's there better a better be bad guy punching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to recommend a, a, a one-off, but it's, one of the best sci-fi novels I've read in a really long time. Um, and it's Robert Cargill's um, Sea of Rust, which is about a robot um, who is quickly running out of the type of power that she runs on. And she's an assassin robot. And there's another robot who is also running on that same power and they're both trying to like find life force to continue. And it's an incredible world. Um, it really, you know, it's better than any of the episodes of The Mandalorian that I saw. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it, but it just had that feeling of just like, I don't know, you, I just cared about this character, even though it was, you know, a bucket of bolts <laughs> in that way. Like, I just really. <laughs> was impressed with the the complete world of it and you know i think that robert cargill's one of these authors that then you can go back and read other things because he's been doing this for a while he also <laughs> if i'm not mistaken i think he wrote the screenplay for uh doctor strange so there you go yeah see robert cargill i really he's a such a good book that sounds fantastic. sea of rest yeah so that i think covers that did you have any other questions maybe something what are you for reading yourself? now oh drew oh i um i just finished piranesi the new Susanna clark book i have that on hold from the library oh, it's so good <laughs> i'm so looking forward to it <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing uh and i've been reading short stories in um uh, Danielle Evans's collection, The Office of Historical Corrections. Just terrific short stories. It's good. I've seen yeah. that, but I haven't read it yet. And I'm reading Black Buck by Matteo Escarapor. Hmm. And it's sort of, it's about a, a guy who's working at a Starbucks when he sort of gets discovered by a, a fast-talking guy at an internet startup. And... Um, gets pulled into a really weird sort of culty corporate culture um, and then turns out to be really good at it. It's a, it's, it's a good, it's, it's good like business satire and uh -huh. it's coming out very early next year. So, um, you know, it's something that people could definitely pre-order if they were interested in that story. Cause it's really, really fun. What's that called? Black Buck. Or what are you reading right now? Um, I just finished The Vanishing Half. Oh, how, how is, is it? it? So good. So cool. good. And actually, I, I was at the coffee shop this morning, and there's a barista. We always talk about books. And um, I was like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm finishing this book, and it's so good, and you should read it. And she's like, oh, my God, I just bought that book, and it's sitting <laughs> on my shelf. And then this other woman who was waiting for her coffee was like, I'm sorry, I'm eavesdropping. I loved that book so much. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was this, like it's so good this is I why i miss not. working in a cafe yeah <laughs> it's really when we're like people know you talk about books a lot so um <laughs> i did not love the mothers but um i 
it was good. I just didn't connect with it. Yeah. But I thought the vanishing half was so compelling. I love when that happens. Yeah, it feels it's and particularly now feeling so isolated. It's it's fun to connect with strangers, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, serotonin, I missed you. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> people are like doing and thinking things too. <laughs> <sighs> well, it's nice to talk to you amidst all of this. Yeah, too. thank you so much. This was yeah. super fun. Thanks for coming. Hi. <laughs> What an entrance. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome to the 150th episode. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's great to be here. Would you, for our listeners, tell us who you are and where you're calling from? So I'm Chris Stoltz, calling from Columbus, Ohio, on a gray and rainy day. Well, thank you so much for calling in. We're so excited to help you with your reading life. How can we, <laughs> um, how can we enhance it for you? Yeah. So. I have been doing for the past few years a project kind of like what Drew does, where you pick a few authors. And I have historically been a bit more of a completist. So I picked a few people where I just want to read through, like maybe I'd read one or two books and wanted to fill in like everything. So I've been doing Patricia Highsmith, James Baldwin, and Murakami. Uh-huh. And just recently I decided I'm bailing on Murakami. Yeah. I've had as much okay. as I can take. And <laughs> it's just like, how many times do I need to follow a character as they do their shopping? I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> or as like their ear is described in Greek. <laughs> <laughs> or do they and, need to go running and do isometric exercises? <laughs> yeah, it was totally diminishing returns. So I started reading uh, one of the more recent Murakamis just bailed. And then realized, like, was thinking who I really wanted to do next. And there's still 75% of Toni Morrison's mm -hmm. bibliography I've never read. So, and with the tournament of books, just like a mercy was such a revelation. Yeah. So it's like, I need to dig into like these Morrison titles. But I'm coming up to the end of Baldwin and like thinking about who am I going to do next? And have like a list of possible suggestions, but I, I'd be curious. <laughs> it wouldn't even have to be a completist reading. Um, it could be something more like Drew, where like you pick five books or. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my, the list of folks that I've done and the one that feels like it might not have come across your way yet is uh, Muriel Spark. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, oh, you know, Prime good... of Miss Jean Brody is an easy one. Um, I think the Ballad of Peckham Rye and the Driver's Seat were maybe my two favorites. Oh, I really liked Loitering with Intent as well. Um, or uh, oh oh, Iris Murdoch. Oh yeah. Um, you know, they they both kind of fit the same mold a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've read one or two Murdochs, but yeah, her bibliography does seem overwhelming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and intimidating. Um, I mean, one thing that I think you might want to do is, you know, Patricia Highsmith's best, maybe only friend. Um, by the by, the end she was 
famously difficult to <laughs> be friends with um, is Graham Greene. She mm. loved him. Yeah. And they would often even dedicate their books to each other. Mm. Um, and I think The End of the Affair, The Quiet American. Um, uh, my favorite is Brighton Rock. It's I've seen such, the movie. The movie's such, really great. Yeah. The, the novel's truly wonderful as well. Um, and I, I've been wanting to do my, for myself, um, a dive on Ira Levin, the writer of Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Huh. Um, he had sort of a charm career and, and wrote a lot of things that people liked. Um, Is it all in that genre or? No, he's all over the place. Hmm. He was, he wrote The Stepford Wives as okay. well. Oh, you know who I'm about? Like, I'm not quite doing it in uh, in the way that I've done it in the past, but I am methodically acquiring Octavia Butler. Mm -hmm. uh, I read the Parable Duology, and I read Kindred, and I'm excited to dive into the uh, the Patternist series. Yeah, I've been doing it super erratically too, in a similar way, and. Wild Seed is my favorite of hers so far, which is oh, the first cool. patternist. So sweet. I was just I just finished uh, a book this morning, and I was like, "What am I gonna read next?" And I walked by the shelf, and that was like it felt <laughs> like it was calling to me. So I feel like yeah. this is a sign. It's bonkers. <laughs> I think about it all the time. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and the crazy thing about that one is, it's kind of the prologue for the series, but I think she wrote it fourth. Whoa. And it's hard to think that she had this whole world and then just wanted to fill in the origin of it. And then that's maybe the most exciting. I think I've read the first two and it seems like people get less excited about it in the chronology. Um, huh. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Somebody else I keep thinking about too, because I think it would also be fairly efficient after somebody like Heidi Smith or Baldwin. Uh -huh. I've never read any Shirley Jackson. Oh, do it. Oh, well that's, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause it is, it you'll do, I mean, there's, there's, I actually haven't read her nonfiction. I just gave my wife <laughs> uh, one of her two memoirs, mm -hmm. but the fiction, like it's, there's six of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah do it yeah yeah i mean uh, like i'm thinking about her and margaret atwood there's a mm -hmm. lot of gaps i have with her but margaret atwood does seem like a commitment but shirley jackson you could just have a little fling and <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing i i've been realizing um i've been having this conversation with a few different people like who are your favorite writers and and i, I realize like i do not complete many people i really read randomly and dip into whatever is at hand and mm -hmm. i admire uh people who find an author and just like stick in um no matter what story they're telling i think that's really a cool way to read i think it's pretty rare for me too because i think most people i'm gonna bail like shirley jackson seems like highsmith i'm still in the middle of good stuff and i just like what she does so much that unless it starts to really drop off at the end. Like, I think I'm here for the whole ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Drew's model was kind of inspiring for me too, because I don't know, I did like, I think it started for me with Clary C. Lispector. Uh -huh. um, 
when I was immersing myself in Brazil and just read through everything of hers, which is a berserk bibliography. But um, there's people, like I've never read any Henry James or you it's know things like that. Too. Yeah. And, I don't know that I'm super excited, but doing something like Drew, where you just like do the greatest hits, and like I can feel like I have a sense of who he is, it's but fun, like don't like, have to give up my life for it. <laughs> yeah, you get like a playlist too, because then you. I like to do yeah. it like four greatest hits, four or five greatest hits, and then like one sort of left fieldy something. Yeah. So that I can have a like, oh yes, I've read Hard Times by Charles Dickens. Yes. Um, <laughs> But it's fun, too, because then, like, you do, to Christopher's point, like, you can kind of get to see the breadth of what an author can do mm-hmm. right? without necessarily, like, having to sit through them doing the same thing four times in a row. Yeah. 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 Unless. Like, without having them Mirakami out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, I know you're trying to be efficient, so. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks I, so much for hanging. Yeah, thanks for this list. I, yeah. Uh, Happy I'm going to be set for a little while here. <laughs> Perfect. Good. And enjoy wild seed, Drew. <laughs> Thanks. I'll let you know how I think. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah. See you. <laughs> Hello. Hey, guys. Do you want to tell our readers your name and where you're calling from? Yeah. Hey everyone. I'm Lee Bob Black. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Um, I'm also an Aussie as well as an American, so don't hold it against me. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't dream of it. Um, thanks so much for joining us. You actually wrote a little bit about what you were looking for, right? I, I did. I have this um, fascination with novelizations. There's often novelizations of movies and, and, and TV shows, but not plays. You know, so you think about like, like the musicals like Kinky Boots or... or Billy Elliot, they were movies first and then they mm-hmm. went to the stage, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like a street, came, a street car named Desire, like was, I don't know if that, what that was, but I'm pretty sure it was a play first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wicked was a novel, then it became a play. Yeah. But you know, like, like a play like Waiting for Godot, you know, am I saying it correctly? Uh-huh. Like that's being adapted to the stage umpteen times, but has there ever been a novelization of it? I don't know. And gents, I'm freaking completely uninterested in Shakespearean plays <laughs> being adapted into freaking novels. You don't well, because even... I mean, that's where it always happens. It's like when you, when it almost felt like when we saw your note, it's like, this is a trap. We're gonna say Shakespeare <laughs> and he's gonna say, fuck off. <laughs> because there, it's, it's rich. I mean, there's so many people that have done a, a done a adaptation. And I think it's, and I, and I was trying to think, your, your question made me realize like, what is it about the Shakespeare plays? And of course it's that they get taught a million times. Like it's the plays you get taught. If they taught other plays, maybe there would be some novelizations of like at least Christopher Marlowe or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I only have one true answer to this question, and it's um, it's Peter Pan. Peter Pan, the, no- the novel by J.M. Barry was based on Peter and Winsy in Kensington Gardens, which was a children's play first. Got it. So that is my very long ago answer. So I don't know anything that's been done since that's not a Shakespeare adaptation. I've been really... 
I've been like racking my brain about this too. And I'm sure uh, some of my former colleagues who might be listening to this are going to hear it and be like, oh, why didn't you think of whatever? But this, it's not quite what you're looking for, but it's close. Cormac McCarthy has a book called The Sunset Limited that is, the, the subtitle is A Novel in Dramatic Form. And it's, he wrote it as a novel, um, but it's, uh, he wrote, I, it's kind of, he like, he did both. It's written like a play, stage directions, dialogue, but when you read it, it's, you can see how it would work as a play, but that you get, you get more from it by being able to read the stage directions and being able to read, like, and so I guess my, as a former uh, theater employee, it's actually like some of, particularly recent plays, I'm thinking about like Jeremy O'Harris's slave play that I saw it on stage and loved it. Reading the play is an entirely new experience. And it doesn't quite do, the, it's not the, the adaptation thing. It's not somebody else taking the story and running with it. But there's something marvelous about, particularly like the prose sometimes, or like Eugene O'Neill, his stage directions are like short stories in and of themselves. It's a, it's, it can be a weird thing to like read a play, but there are like, I could send you down that road. Huh. Mm. huh. But also, I mean, I'm going to be thinking about this probably for the rest of my fucking life. <laughs> but that slavery one that uh, remind me of the title and the, the uh, it's called slave play by jeremy like, o'harris now could that be adapted into a novel and it could be called Sna slave novel i mean no, it can't but you know, like even something like the book of mormon by the um south park gentleman matt, uh -huh, matt stone uh -huh. and, and um someone else um like has that been novelized could it be it's <laughs> really fascinating right like, i really like this idea well, I, I feel I, like there are people who adapt and they, you know, you know I was thinking as specifically of um, the recent National Book Award winner, Interior Chinatown, where he's adapting the screenplay form to be a novel. And, and now looking at that, I feel like there's got to be some novels that are written in the sort of like enter so-and-so and they, you know. Yeah. I, hang on, I have it, kind okay. of. There's a uh, independent publisher called Plays Inverse, Plays Plural Inverse, um, and they, the their like tagline: independent publisher of plays and play-like literature. Oh. I've read a couple of a couple of their plays, and they are, they're the kinds of things that you, like, and some of them are adaptations too. Like, there's one. Hang on, I'm going to look up their catalog real quick so that I can even... Uh, um, okay. It was called The Shapes We Make With Our Bodies by Meg Whiteford. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it felt like an adaptation of kind of an amalgamation of a couple of like Greek tragedies. But it is... It has some... Some of the formatting is play-like but it also has like sections of prose. Oh, ah, I've got it. Ah, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen if I just talked for long enough. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's uh, it, Camilla Shamsi 
um, uh, Home Fire. Um, it is it is an adaptation of Antigone. It is a novelization adaptation of Antigone, set uh, more or less in more or less in the present. Like it it opens up with um, the Ismene character Isma, uh, like standing at Heathrow. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, Drew, I'm pretty sure you're mispronouncing it, though. It's Antigone, though. <laughs> yeah. It's about people who are really mad when you leave. <laughs> uh, I'm curious if there's going to be someone listening to this thinking, you know, the uh, novelizations like the alien, you know, like movie novelization, mm-hmm. you know, all the sci-fi, Star Wars-y, Star Trek-y novelizations and why can't they do it for stage i did just see that uh quentin tarantino is publishing his own novelization of once upon a time in hollywood Mm -hmm. which i'm like you know what okay (laughs) yeah okay i'll read it i'm I'm fascinated in that because one idea is that he had approximately like eight hours worth of material to film yeah uh, eight eight hours of movie ready script and so he's gone deep into those characters, <laughs> way too deep. But, but yeah, he can flesh that out in a, in a novel. You know, yeah, that's exactly it. Now, I well, I feel like you're giving people something to do because there's a lot of, um, lot of plays, old plays in the public domain that it, are free for you to adapt if you so desire. Yeah, this feels like a fun exercise. Yeah, adapt something, not Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Well, although, if you're gonna read a Shakespeare adaptation, Nutshell um, by Ian McEwan is really the one. It's a it's a Hamlet, right? But Hamlet's a fetus. But Hamlet is like an unborn yeah, fetus. as told by a yeah yeah. It's very good. <laughs> well, thank right. you so much for we the got challenge, there. Lee. Thank you, gentlemen. Very very much appreciated. Massive fans of your uh, silliness. Keep up the awesomeness. Thank you so much. (laughs) Welcome. Sound effects and everything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm bringing back sound effects. (laughs) Um, For our listeners, tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Yeah, my name is Charlie. I am calling from... Coleman, Alabama, so North Central Alabama. Wow, deep south. That's awesome. We have we have not had a state repeated yet, and I'm very um I'm I'm amazed. Uh, they haven't so all been from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming. What? How can we help you reading life? Yeah. Um. So I I'm interested in the the traditional selfish treat yourself uh, personal recommendation. Hell okay. Yeah. Why don't you tell us the last three books that you've read and just like, if you like them. Yeah, yeah. Um, last three I read. So I read um, Open the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. It was kind of a balm during the election season. It was a season, not just a day. Um, Future Home of the Living God. So Louise Erdrich. Okay. Um, that was That was like a three and a half star mm-hmm. in my in my rating system. Um, I read uh, Warlight, um, which mm. I was kind of enchanted by. Um, and then okay. about a month of reading uh, Duck's Newberry Port. Okay. 
which was which was a uh, a labor of love, but it really paid off. I'm not sure if you guys have read that, um, but it's worth the effort and the the time and attention. Yeah. So you enjoy the the literary experiment, for sure. Yeah. Okay. It's good to know. And so, and then, what are you looking for now? What's I mean, are you looking for something serious? Or are you looking for something more fun? Open to either. I think I maybe tend towards the serious, so I'm willing to be, you know, shaken up a bit. All right. Understandable. I've got this. Um, I'm so pleased that I get to do this because the John Warner. He of uh, the Morning News' Tournament of Books commentary, he of the Chicago Tribune, he of the OG Biblioracling. Uh, this was the first book he recommended to me ages and ages and ages ago. Um, Gravity's Rainbow by Thomas Pynchon. It's a literary experiment. It's, it's big. It's weird. It's, I don't know, something about the combination, particularly of these four books leads me a little bit to that particularly that pension too like i don't know there's something there's something about it that feels like it almost catches all of the things that you've just read and puts them into a single book very nice yeah so have not read that um it's yeah, kind how of do you been feel about pitch on I, I have only i've only read um the crying of lot whatever number that is mm-hmm. <laughs> um and if have been aware of of him and his work, and yeah. So this this may be the the recommendation to to push me over that edge. Nice. Speaking of the morning news, I just saw the the long list came out. So yeah, the long list came out right as we were getting ready to do this. Yes, like, we so can't. In addition look. to this, yeah, <laughs> the stars aligned. I have another book that's like, I just read it, and I'm excited to get to recommend it to somebody, and that is. Uh, Brian Washington's memorial. Um, it's oh yeah, it's on the long list. Okay, cool. It's um, God, it's just beautiful. Don't read it on an empty stomach. It is it is some of the best food writing that I've ever seen. On top of being like a really, um, uh, just like crisp and beautiful relationship novel, um, about a queer couple about one of them and the other one's mom like becoming accidental roommates um, while the other one is off trying to reconnect with his ailing father. It's funny, it's sweet, um, and it, it, while it's not like a literary experiment necessarily, it something about it feels new or fresh is what I'll say. Um, I'm gonna recommend a really silly book. Um, that is one of my absolute favorites. And I think anytime someone reads something really serious and like full, like uh, Gravity's Rainbow or um, Duck's Newberry Port, I feel like you need something that can remind you like what you can do in a slim book. And this it's this book, um, it's very sweet, uh, called FUP, F-U-P by Jim Dodge. And it's about an old man, he's 99 years old, um, who befriends a duck and it's like the the book is like less than 100 pages long um but it is so heartwarming and you get to know these characters so quickly and and fall for them so deeply um that i think you'll really enjoy it 
So from like a thousand page duck book to a hundred page duck book, <laughs> excellent. That's exactly what I was thinking. Nice. I will check um, that out. I think that they go together very well. Very yeah. cool. Well, do you have any other questions really? We have a couple more minutes here. I don't have any other questions. Um, I'm, I'm always always grateful to hear uh, a book recommendation, especially from uh, folks I feel like I, I trust. Um, but even more than that, just wanted to say thank you guys for, for the work you do and the effort you put into the show. So um, super excited to have this chance to, to say thank you to you guys. So. Oh, wow. Thanks a lot, man. Well, that thanks for lot. listening. And yeah. I love seeing your shelf behind you. It's an incredible. Yeah, those look. are beautiful. You've got a okay. beautiful. So, so my family did a, a pandemic move like you do. Uh, so we moved from, from Birmingham actually. And one of the things I knew I wanted in my new house was a wall of books. So it's been That's a nice gorgeous. backdrop for, for Zoom life. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. Um, as my wife says, it's me uh, throwing out my tail feathers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for doing this. Hope you have a good, happy holiday season. You too. You too. Thanks for Take coming care. on. See ya. Hello. Hi. Welcome. How are you guys? Doing all right. Good. How thanks. Are How are you? I'm good. Should I turn the video off? No, it's I'd nice like to see you. Your your shelves in the back. Is that yeah. all of those um? the the little short stories from penguin yes yes they are cool i was very excited i had to get the full set when they first came out everyone was collecting like one two three or four and i was just like that's i will go insane if i don't have them all so yes <laughs> <laughs> see we understand that we understand that spirit but before we go further will you tell our listeners your name and where you're calling from yes uh my name is veronica and i am calling from san jose California. Ah, here we go. California. Showing up large. Um, tell <laughs> us, please, how we can help your reading life. Yes. Okay. So there was two things I was going to request, but they're kind of going in potentially different directions. So I'll, I'll say both and then see what you guys come up with. So the first thing is that this year I have discovered finally that my my, in quotes, genre is thrillers and mysteries. Um, I love people being murdered and then solving who did it. And I'm I glad feel there like was a second part of that sentence. <laughs> no, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm pretty like well aware of what the contemporary mystery thrillers are. Um, so I kind of know what that landscape is. And I'm looking for recommendations kind of like a little bit more left field where it's not just, you know, Agatha Christie or P.D. James or Dorothy L. Sayers, um, just because that is all what I'm reading right now. But um, something I just really wouldn't have heard of, which I understand is a very uh, difficult request because you, you know, don't necessarily know what I have or not heard of, but anything in that genre that's kind of more left fieldy. Also dark, I love, I love dark. Um, and the other request was going to be different spectrum, which is I just picked up a uh, short story collection by P.G. Woodhouse last week and utterly, utterly fell in love with it. And I had read one of his novels uh, maybe four or five years prior. And for whatever reason, it just did not hit the mark at the time. I didn't get the humor. I thought everyone was just 
the silly buffoon and everyone irritated me. And uh, I, yes, they are buffoons. That is the entire point, but they are so delightful. And I think the thing that really bolstered me in reading this collection is that the main character will get into all sorts of trouble. He's this essentially lazy bum of an aristocrat, which everyone kind of tells him to his face. Um, but then his friends, you know, pull him into all of these adventures and everything goes wrong and it's all chaos. And you're just like, how is this even happening? But then the butler always, you know, is in the background doing his magic and everything is okay in the end. And I think given that it is 2020 and I don't need to go into that, we all know what's happening. <laughs> it is uh, very comforting to read about a world that is entirely a light and chaos. And then there's this kind of master magician in the back making it all okay. So I guess what I'm looking for is a uh, Woodhouse re-like of sorts. Okay. Wow. This is this is two very interesting directions. All right. Thrillers and mysteries first. I have a question. Have you read any Tana French? I have read um not the Witch Elm. I read the first one of the Dublin Murder Squad. Uh, uh in the woods. Yes, in the woods. Okay. Uh I cannot recommend her new ones highly enough particularly the most recent one the searcher it's like cool. it's my second second or third favorite of her books um and i i love honestly all of her books uh but so i would say that one you should check it out um but then oh this is fun i get to do the same recommendation twice in the course of this show which i had no idea would happen but for completely different reasons too um, there's a trilogy by Sarah Gran, the Claire DeWitt series. The first one is called Claire DeWitt and the City of the Dead. Mm -hmm. She's, uh, you know, oh, like a world's greatest detective kind of detective, but super idiosyncratic, super weird. She uses the I Ching. It's a lot of like philosophy mystery, like mm -hmm. what's what's the meaning of my life kind of stuff, along with like a serious um all three of the books have like a serious central mystery that's being solved with plenty of murder and mayhem um but they are they're like way off the beaten track when it comes to mysteries and so i think you'd find those really fun yeah um, that's great yeah i i'll 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 second those i i have a different dark trilogy um to recommend that's like on the thriller spectrum um which is the last policeman series did you read those yeah ben, no ben h winters finish no there no. no that's um that's the third policeman i think ah no this is the last policeman <laughs> <laughs> and it's the the it's uh like uh ben h winters like i said and it's um it's set there's a an asteroid that's going to hit earth and i think four months in the beginning of the first one and it's going to hit earth it's going to kill everybody um and it's just like what's happening on the planet after that's happening and he has this mystery show up where someone gets murdered and he's going to try to solve the case even though everybody's going to die soon so as he's gathering his evidence and figuring out the mystery everybody's like why why are you doing this like there's just no point 
Um, and it's a very interesting picture of a world gone completely mad. Um, so I highly recommend that. Oh, that sounds perfect and a very, <laughs> very bizarre and dark. I love dark. Yes, setup. Okay, yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, and then on the other side, the humor um, and and sort of madness. So there's this um, this guy Max Schulman was this um, humor writer in the '40s, and he wrote these um, short story collections and a couple novels um, that always were satire in campus life. Um, and so they're really silly campus life novels in the '40s. So um, the one that I would recommend is, or the two is "Rally Round the Flag Boys" and "Barefoot Boy with Cheek," um, and they're both like very much um, they're very much products of their time. So there's a little there's a little bit of just that that type of 40s misogyny um but they're still very funny and um you know i i they're a, a big hit in my family my my mom's a big loves to collect the old editions because there's really great art on the original pocket editions that you can find um and they're sort of mannered in the same way that i feel like pg woodhouse is so he's like a he's like the the American collegiate life version of P.G. Woodhouse. That sounds perfect. Well, that's even more perfect because the other thing I was toying with asking guys for, because I do know you all love campus novels, and I was like, mm. no, that'll be too too many nice. requests, and you, you still got a campus novel in there, so that is perfect. <laughs> Before we let you go, I do have one, I just thought of one uh, Woodhouse-adjacent book, and it's Jonathan Ames wrote a book called Wake Up, Sir, uh, that is essentially like a Jeeves and Worcester story, um, but you kind of can't tell if the Jeeves of the story is in this guy's head or not. Hmm. And it's it, it skews a little towards the dark as it goes on, mm. but it definitely has, it's a great pastiche in terms of like he nails that, that sort of like effervescent, um, so like plucky. Oh yes, we're just gonna go do this thing. Mm -hmm. Jeeves will figure it out. Like, um, that it's it's very weird but very fun. Perfect. Yeah, I was gonna say what I know of Jonathan Ames. I'm looking one of one of his books right now. I have the I passed like night, which I haven't read, but my understanding is he skews dark. So that's interesting. That author kind of taking on. Jeez, Wooster. Okay, I love that. That's that'll be very fascinating. Thank you for all of your requests. We really appreciate it. No, thank you guys so much for your suggestions. Um, I'm actually my plan for the day was to go to a bookstore, so I I now have a list of things uh, to purchase for myself, and maybe we'll pass some of those for other people to purchase for me. But <laughs> I'm not a patient person, so. <laughs> thank Perfect. You guys. Hi. How are you? So would you tell our listeners uh, your name and where you're calling from? Sure, yeah. I'm Michael Kurt, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. Awesome. So nice. there's another listener in your town <laughs> that uh, you should meet sometime because Perfect. you you have a, a podcast in common. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us. How can we, how can we help you? Okay, so I have a, a harder one and then an easier one. <laughs> so, okay. 
great. The harder, the harder one is experimental novels, and it's hard because I read a lot of them because I like them a lot. And so I was looking for an experimental novel that uh, is experimental in design and not so much in um, like the way it's written. Like for example, S or The Familiar or House of Leaves, as he talked about, are good okay. examples. Okay. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, oh, in design, but not so much in written. I mean, I I immediately want to go to uh, two novels that are, one of them is technically like, I don't know, a story as opposed to a novel. Um, one is called Composition Number One by Mark Saporta. And it's uh, it comes in a box and the pages are loose. Oh. And you're meant to read it in any order. Um, and having read it a couple of different times, sometimes you'll read it in an order that doesn't make any sense. And sometimes <laughs> you'll read it in an order where like, oh, wow, this story really clicks. Um, and then the other, the other thing like that is uh, it's on a deck of playing cards. It's mm. called The Family Arcana by Jedediah Barry. Uh, and it's a similar thing. Each card has a little bit of text and you're meant to shuffle it up and sort of read it in any order. And it's a story about a kind of weird family um, and their home life, but also they're trying to save their farm from the bank. If you're going to order some stuff from Nine Pin Press, definitely also um, get Liana Fled the Cranberry Bog, which mm. is by Generos Nethercott, and it's written in cootie catchers. Oh. Uh, so you... <laughs> So it is kind of a fun, it's it's a good pandemic project because yeah. you have to make um, 26 cootie catchers before you can read it. Um, and so that's <laughs> exciting. But once you finish, it's got this sort of, I would kind of compare it to the Decemberists, sort mm -hmm. of like that sort of world and, and type of detail. Um, and still are just a regular book um, is this incredible experimental novel that's written as a log of a ship hmm. um log of the ss the mrs unguentine um it's by stanley crawford and it's a very odd book that's kind of more more about like domestic life but put in this very strange experimental form um and it's very short. It's only like 115 pages or something, but it's really, really, um, really sort of fascinating in that respect. Nice. Yeah, those are both sound great. I haven't heard of either of those, so that's great. Oh, you know what? The um, the publisher too that did composition number one, mm. um, they're called Visual Editions. They have shifted now into doing like a bunch more app-based things and they're sort of in design as a branding firm. Mm -hmm. But they have a couple of other, like they have a an edition of Tristram Shandy. They have an edition of Don Quixote. Um, but they did a book with Jonathan Safran Foer too called Tree of Codes. Yes. Cool. Very okay. familiar, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the first ones where I was like, what, what is happening? <laughs> this is great. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I feel like you should definitely check out then... Um, Featherproof Press. Okay. Featherproof Books. You should just look through and see what you're interested in um, because they do a lot of weird editions and and um, 
and really beautifully designed things. Um, yeah. All right. So that's the hard one. What else you got? Oh, I was just, th- my, uh, my next question was going to be about uh, books on writing. Another big topic that I have a lot of books on, but you know, books for writers, by writers um, at any level. If you're reading to learn how to write better, and that's what you're trying to read these writing books for, um, then I think the two books you need to read are Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott and On Writing by Stephen King. And those are the two books that I feel like if you're just trying to learn how to write and write a novel, those are the two to go to. But if you're writing, if you want to just read about writing and you're interested in just more deeply considering a writer's life, um, I'm really into How Fiction Works by James Wood was very exciting. I, I, I have it on that one. I do. That's good. And then um, Patricia Highsmith actually wrote oh. a um, book on how to plot and write suspense fiction. Um, and it's she really, did? really, really interesting. <laughs> um, and that's really fun to, to read like a master explaining how they do it. And then there's this little known, I don't know how little known it is anymore now that Tin House has republished it, but um, this book, Plotto, which mm. is the master book of all plots. And it's um, basically this guy wrote about 370 novels um, in his lifetime. And people are always like, how do you write novels so quickly? And he's like, I'll tell you (laughs) in a book. And it's basically he has this crazy system where it's sort of encyclopedic or indexed. It's the most incredible index of plots. And you basically, the way you use the book is you choose like 26 various things and you, by the end of those 26 um, plot points, you'll have like a full novel, um, which then you just fill in Mad Lib style with the details that make it <laughs> yours. And um, it's an incredible resource. I also recommend buying someone else published a book on how to use Plato if you are confused by it. Um, it's, and I think that's like a self-published thing that's like only on Amazon or whatever, but there, it's sort of invaluable if you're actually deciding to, to use it rather than just flip through and see. Because there's really interesting, like the way that he describes plot movement itself can be really exciting and un, um, unconventional. So it's good for making your mind go. I'm going to add two books. They are the only two writing books that I keep on my desk. One of them is Dreyer's English by Ben Dreyer, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is like, it is the first chapter is like the life-changing magic of tidying up your prose. And that's how I feel about that whole book. It's just like, it's good for revision in particular. Uh, but then the other book, it's, it's the only um, like writing workbook that I have ever found that has really been useful to me, and that's Wonder Book by Jeff mm-hmm. Vandermeer. Yep. Um, in the way that it it is very much about like, yeah, I can teach you how to write, but also really like, I'm here to talk about like what is a story, why does story work, what do different people find useful. Um, you might hear you may hear like contradictory things from different contributors, and that's because it's all different. 
Um, oh, and uh, one more book that I – it's uh, Before and After the Book Deal by mm. Courtney Malm, mm. um, which even for somebody who is not seeking to publish, it's still – it is a fascinating look at what what the industry looks like. Um, and it's – I think it's invaluable for anybody who's even casually thinking like – maybe someday someone mm-hmm. else will read these words. Um, Cause it just, it like, it's both reassuring and a like very helpful step-by-step reminder uh, not to freak out all the time, which I know <laughs> I certainly do. I feel like you nodded through all of our suggestions. Like, yeah, yeah. I, don't think I really, we anything that you didn't No, no, you, you did. The, the Patricia Highsmith one sounds very interesting. The, the wonder book one I love a lot because like you said, it has many essays from different perspectives, but it also has a visual representation that um, I often recommend to people because it's like sometimes you need to see weird stuff to understand weird stuff. Yeah. And that's a great book for that. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Um, and, you know, he's the king, you know. Right. <laughs> like the, He can really make a weird thing come to life on the page. Yeah. Talk about experimental novels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, no, those are all great. Those are all um, good. I, I'm I'm excited, if anything, to look into some of those presses you mentioned and uh, and to dig into some stuff I hadn't heard of before. Cool. Well, I'm so glad that we had something to um, recommend to you. Yeah. How's it been going? Oh, it's really fun. It's been yeah. good. It's been. This is the end of the day, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I have the most ridiculous amount of tabs open. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Yeah, what a fun experiment. It's a uh, it's a good kind of thing to do with your audience. I think. Thank you. Yeah, we're, yeah it thanks. was really fun. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being on the show, Michael. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for taking the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. Take care. See you. Whoo! That was fun. That was fun. I have approximately 75 tabs open with various <laughs> titles of books in them. Yep, me too. Um, but I am so excited about the nice people that listen to our show. Yeah, um, that was really fun. It's just like people smiling at us and talking about books. It was what a lovely way to spend a couple hours on a Sunday. Indeed. And, you know, we hope that it was as fun for you, the listener, and we are so glad to reach another milestone and we hope you're around for all the future ones indeed if you have enjoyed 150 episodes of the show but haven't left us an itunes review that's fine we're glad that you waited till now but it'd be great for you to do we understand you wanted to give us this gift um or if you would like to you know we'll be calling on our patrons for random things in the future so if you want to be a patron of so many damn books which all of those people were uh you can go to our patreon.com slash smdb and we hope that you shop indie local um yes you can and if you can't uh, buy books on bookshop.org where they kind of spread the wealth around um it's really crunch time for these indie bookstores this is this is the time they really count on to survive so and remember just like obama won't save us in real life obama's book will not single-handedly save bookstores especially not if you 
buy from it, that book from Amazon. And I understand it's $14 cheaper, but like, just that's like a full shift for, I mean, a full hour of somebody working at a, <laughs> at yeah. a bookstore. So, you know, consider what it costs to save. Consider the cost. <laughs> but seriously, if you can buy books from, um, at full price from indie bookstores, they'd appreciate it. Yeah. And we're happy to um, give you recommendations too. It's not yeah. just here on the airwaves, uh, although obviously we'll continue to do this, but you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And we're always pretty eager to recommend some books. That's still, true. Still eager after all these years. Is that a Steely Dan? No, Paul Simon. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a... Uh, well, Steely Dan's reeling in the years. Right. And still crazy. Yeah, still crazy after all these years. It's just possible. So if we mash the two of them up and we're the ones who are singing. I don't even remember what I said in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>